snow to come out. Weird snow yesterday. Some people got tons and some people almost didn't get any. But I'm glad to see that some people just joined us this morning. Uh, we're going to continue our series this morning, Gratitude Adjustment. I wanted to give you a definition of gratitude. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for, and to return kindness. Gratitude, unexpressed, is not really gratitude at all. If you gave me a ride home and you dropped me off and I was thankful in my heart but I never said anything, you'd probably kind of look at me like, not even going to say thank you. Or if you worked all week at your job and no one ever said thank you and you got to the end of the week and you looked in your checking account and your boss didn't deposit your check there, you would probably have a problem with that because gratitude needs to be expressed. This morning we're going to talk about gratitude to people in our lives and gratitude to God. We're going to start out by talking about sharing gratitude with people in our life. We're going to look at Luke chapter 17. We're going to start off reading in verse 11. This is now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not the ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. One of the saddest things that we do to each other is we take each other for granted. Life can be really hard sometimes, and there's a lot of stuff that has to happen in each one of our lives to make life happen. And if you're someone who's carrying the burden to make life happen, and no one expresses gratitude or appreciation for what you're doing, it can be super discouraging. This is one of the greatest problems that we face in relationships today is we take each other for granted and don't express gratitude to each other. It, is, it could be in marriage relationships, in family relationships, in friendships. In this scripture, there's three expressions of gratitude that we see. The first one is the obedient expression. This is in verse 14. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus told them to go see the priest, and as they obeyed and went, they were cleansed. The first way you can express gratitude with someone is by honoring what they say. So many times we ask people to speak into our life. We ask people to give advice, and then we don't take that advice. And before we know it, we're right back in the situation that caused a mess in our lives. Jesus gave the ten lepers a directive, and they went out and acted immediately. He said to go to the priest, and as they went to the priest, they were cleansed. When I was at Elam, I had a, a professor, his name was Fount Schultz, he's been here and ministered before, not, not recently, maybe three or four years ago he came and ministered here. He kind of looks like a short Santa. We kind of used to pick on him and say he looked like Santa. So he... Uh, he was known for a lot of things at the school that I was a part of. He was, he was probably the, the professor that knew Greek and Hebrew the best, but he was also well known for counseling. He was really gifted in that way, and a lot of times students who were 
journeying towards healing or wholeness would ask him to sit down with them and, and, and counsel them, and he would do that. And he kind of became known for when he would counsel someone, he would usually have one session with the person, and then he would give them some kind of directive or assignment at the end of that session. And if the person didn't do what he told them to do, he wouldn't take a second meeting with that person. Um, I was in one class with him, and I was, he asked me to lead worship at an event that he was speaking at, and so he asked me to catch up with him after class. So I was waiting for him after class, and there was a student who was talking to him, and this student had, um, had, a, had one counseling session with him and wanted to get together and have another one. And Brother Fount said, well, did you do what I asked you to do? And he said, well, not exactly, not 100%. I, no, I guess I didn't do what you asked me to do. And he said, well, then I guess we don't have anything to talk about then, do we? And I was kind of like, oh, man, like he was kind of intense with that, like more than I expected, because he's not really that kind of a guy. And the person kind of got a little bit more pushy and said, like, please, like it would make a big difference in my life. Like I really want to get together with you. It would, it would really help. And he said, the Bible says not to cast pearl before swine. And I'm not calling you a pig. But what I am saying is I can't take what's valuable to me, what's been life-giving and life-transformational for me and is so valuable, and put it in front of you if you're not going to value it in the same way that I do, if you're not going to honor what I say. said, so maybe it would serve you better if you found someone else whose words you respected more and asked them to speak into your life and then put that into action. So when he said this and when this happened, I was kind of surprised, like I kind of felt like it was a little bit harsh in that moment. But then I realized that one of the ways that we can express gratitude is by honoring people who speak into our life, by taking the words that they share with us that are precious and putting them into action. So what do you do when someone speaks into your life? Can we see the action that follows when someone speaks into your life? Or do you just go back to the thing that you used to do they cause the mess in your life in the first place. The second expression of gratitude that we see is a verbal expression. This is in verse 15. It says, One of them, when, they, when he saw he was healed, came back and praised God in a loud voice. So here we have ten lepers that came and asked to be healed and were healed, and only one of them came back and expressed gratitude in a loud voice. So how in the world does someone receive a healing for a disease that was supposed to mark them for their whole life and not come back and express gratitude verbally? Like we look at that and that seems like almost impossible. Like if you received a healing to a disease that was going to be with you for the rest of your life, of course you would come back and express gratitude. The reason these nine lepers didn't come back and express gratitude was because they were not in the practice of expressing verbal gratitude. These nine lepers were not in the practice of giving thanks. They hadn't made it a part of who they were. So when they received this huge miracle in their life, they were out of the practice of expressing thanks verbally. Verbally expressing gratitude is actually something that each one of us need to practice in our life. It's a discipline that we need to develop in our life. It's probably something that for a lot of us doesn't come natural, but it's a discipline we can create in our life. 
And you can start forming this habit today. If we, don't, if we want to make sure that we express gratitude in the big things in our life, then we'll start by expressing gratitude in the little things. It might start today by saying thank you to a server that serves you lunch. It might start by saying thank you to someone who checks you out at Walmart, or someone who gives you your food at McDonald's, or a spouse who made lunch for you, or your kids that helped you shovel the snow. But if we will start in the small things to practice giving thanks, then we can know that in the big things, we will give thanks because we've developed that habit in our life. It tends to be easier for most of us to express the things that we don't like or the things that we're not grateful for rather than the things we're grateful for. We tend to be loud about the things that we don't like, but not loud about the things that we appreciate. Here we have these, these ten lepers that were loud about the problem, very expressive about the problem. They were yelling out to Jesus, but only one person was loud about the gratitude. Oftentimes in our life, we're going to have to express to the people we're closest to things that we don't like, things in relationship that aren't working, things that we're frustrated about, things we don't appreciate. And I think we ought to make it a practice of regularly expressing to the people we're closest to the things that we do appreciate about them, making those relational deposits so that if we have to make a withdrawal, there's at least some, some relational equity there for us to draw from. The third thing that we see in this portion of Scripture is a demonstrative expression, a demonstrative expression of gratitude. It's in verse 16. It says, He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Words are a great way to express gratitude, but words are not going to be enough. We have to demonstrate our gratitude to the people around us. For this man, it meant throwing himself at Jesus' feet and crying out, thank you. What is a, de a demonstrative way that you are expressing gratitude to the people in your life? To the people you care about. It might be something like giving someone a gift if the person that you're trying to express gratitude is a gifts person. It might be a hug. It might be giving someone a tip. It might be doing something that you promised you would do. It might be some act of service. It might be brushing off someone's car that's covered in snow or starting the car so it's warm for them. Our gratitude needs to find physical demonstrative expressions. Oftentimes, physical uh, demonstrations of gratitude can make life feel a lot lighter for the people in our life. Sometimes we walk through life carrying a burden, and when someone physically does something to express gratitude, it makes the burdens we carry in life lighter. So we can express gratitude to people through the obedient expression, the verbal expression, or the physical expression. But how do we express gratitude to God? In order to understand that, I want to look at John chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, 
She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would, should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The first way that we can express gratitude to the Lord is by honoring the Lord. Martha honored the Lord. In verse 12, or verse, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. What are you doing to honor Jesus in your life? Martha gave a dinner to Jesus and his friends to honor him. What things can you point to in your life to say, these are things that I'm doing to honor the Lord as an expression of gratitude? Or have other things in your life kind of worked their way up the priority list? Have other things become a greater priority to you? And has Jesus taken the back burner or the back seat in your life? If something is going to go on the back burner in your life, Let's not let it be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For real. I mean, if something has to get pushed to the back, let's not make it the most important thing of all. Jesus, who died for our sins. What kind of trap have we fallen into that we've allowed all these other things to become a greater priority in our life? How do you know if you're honoring other things more than the Lord in your life? Like, how can we tell? It can be hard to tell sometimes. How do you know if you're honoring other things more than the Lord? I would say one way that we can tell is what is the greater priority in our life? What things do we prioritize? What things do we put as first on our list? What things are more important to us? I'll give you one example Going to church. Going to church isn't somehow the only way that you can prioritize the Lord in your life, but it is certainly one way that we're called to prioritize God, to put him first in our life. If you're disconnected from the church, the likelihood is that your faith is probably going to dwindle. I've watched this happen over and over again as people get Further and further from the church, people get disconnected from the church, and before I know it, people are saying, I don't know, I, I have more questions than answers, like, I don't know anymore, I'm really starting to question my faith, and I'm really starting to even wonder about God. As he becomes less of a priority in our life, and one of the ways that we can prioritize him is by coming to church and participating, engaging. As he becomes less of a priority in our life, all of a sudden, our faith starts to dwindle and our faith starts to suffer. And before we know it, people are in a, in a place where they're like, I don't even know about God anymore. And you look at that and you're like, well, how in the world did that happen? It simply happened by prioritizing other things. And he gets pushed further and further down the list. So the first way that we can express our gratitude by the Lord is by honoring him. And the way that Martha honored him was she prioritized him and she made a meal for him. The second way that we can prioritize the Lord and we can 
um, we can express gratitude by, to him is by serving. In chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served. Martha served. And the, the act of serving at this meal was an expression of gratitude, but really that act of serving was just the surface level of gratitude. There was a much deeper um, expression of gratitude that was happening in Martha's life. Certainly serving at that meal expressed some level of gratitude, but the thing that was deeper that expressed the greater level of gratitude that Martha was doing was she had been spending time with Jesus. And as she was spending time with Jesus, she was starting to become like him. Serving for Martha wasn't just like a hat that you put on and then you take it off when you're done serving at the meal. Martha is becoming a servant. And the reason she's becoming a servant is because she's spending time with Jesus and he's starting to rub off on her. And when she sees Jesus, she realizes that he came into this world to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. And as she spends time with him, she can't help but become a servant. So one of the ways that we can express our gratitude to the Lord is by becoming like him, is by becoming a disciple and learning from him. A couple months ago, we had a guest at our church. His name was Peter Diaruda. He was um, coming and sharing about NISOM, New York School of, of Urban Ministry. What you might not know about Peter Diaruda is he is so much like this man, Paul Johansson, it's like scary. Paul Johansson's been here a few times, and maybe you've, you've met him over the years. But Peter Diaruda has spent a lot of time with Paul Johansson. Peter Diaruda carried Paul Johansson's bags for a number of years. Everywhere Paul went, Peter went. They worked together. They ministered at churches together. Paul is on the board of NISOM, New York School of Urban Ministry. They spent so much time together. And as they spent time together, Peter start, started to sound like Paul Johansson. And if you know Paul Johansson, it's like sometimes you hear them talk and it's like, you might not even know which one was which. Like, he talks like him. His mannerisms are like him. His preaching is like him. The examples he uses, the analogies he uses, it's like he might as well be Paul Johansson's younger twin. He spent so much time with him, and he appreciated him so much that he started to become like him. That's what's happening with Martha. She spent so much time with Jesus that she's starting to become like him. Where are the places in your life that you've started to look like Jesus? Where are the places in your life where we can point to and we can see like, yep, that was like Jesus. She didn't used to be like that, but she's been spending time with Jesus, and I can see that that's made a difference in her life. Have you gotten older, or have you matured as you've aged? Have you changed? Have you become more and more like Jesus? When I was at Elam, I, uh, I played a lot of basketball when I was in high school and when I was at Elam. And uh, I got to Elam, and it was like the first day I was there, and we went through our orientation, and then I got dinner, and we got our room set up, and then I was like kind of looking around, like I didn't really know very many people, and I was like, well, what am I going to do tonight? And somebody told me there was an open gym, so I'm like, all right, I'll go play basketball. So I went to play basketball, and when I got there, there was probably like 12 or 15 guys there, and they were all from New York City. They had all come from this church in New York City called Evangel, and they all knew each other already. 
And I got to know these guys really well because we met to play basketball at the gym almost every single night. And one of those guys ended up being my roommate the next couple years. So I spent a lot of time with them. We'd go and we'd play in basketball tournaments in Rochester and Buffalo. Uh, we sometimes went to um, tournaments in Syracuse and went to a couple tournaments in New York City. And in some of these tournaments that we would go to, very often I was like the only white guy at these tournaments. And my roommate used to pick on me and call me Snowflake in these, in these tournaments because I'd be like the only white guy there. But I started to look like these guys. I started to act like them. I started to sound like them. My, my wife used to pick on me and call me a thug because I'd be running around with these guys with Timberlands and big baggy pants. And there's a, a picture floating around of me at a basketball tournament with a do-rag on. Like, these, some of the guys were Puerto Rican. And when like, the games would get heated, they would start yelling at each other in Spanish. So I would learn how to say, give me the ball now in Spanish and get out of my way. Like, I started to sound like these guys and look like them, and that wasn't the worst thing in the world because they weren't, a, weren't a, a bad crew to roll with. They were good guys. But I got around them, and the more time I spent with them, the more I looked like them, and the more I sounded like them. The same thing should be true as we spend time with Jesus. The more we get around him, we should start to look like him. We should start to sound like him. They see that as couples grow older together, they start to look like each other. And it's kind of weird and a little scary, but it's true. And the same thing should be true about us in our relationship with the Lord. As we spend time with him, and as we get older with him, we should start to look and sound more like him. So next we see that Mary, as an expression of gratitude, Mary gave. This is in John 12, 3. It says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. Okay, so Jesus poured, or Mary poured some ointment on Jesus' feet. Like, what's the big deal? This gift that Mary gave was extravagant. Like, you could say it was wasteful, it was frivolous, it was extreme, it was over the top. What Mary gave was super valuable. And that day it was worth about 300 denarii, which if you translate that to today's dollars, it's worth about $54,000. Mary dropped 50 grand of perfume on Jesus' feet in one shot. Like, that is a lot. And you know, if, if we looked at Mary and we said, like, Mary, that seems like a little over the top, like, that's a lot. I think if Mary were here today, she would look at us and she would say, it wasn't enough, but it was everything I had. Do you give Jesus everything that you have? If you want to express gratitude to Jesus, you will become a giver. And you will become an extravagant giver. This is what happens when we get around Jesus. Jesus is a giver. Jesus gave. That's the whole foundation of our faith is that Jesus gave his life for each one of us. And the more we get around him, the more we will become givers. We tend to always think, well, if I had a little bit more, then I would give. Like, I don't have enough really right now, but if I had more, I would give. In reality, if you had more and you're not a giver now, you would not give. But if you have little now and you're a giver now, you could know if you got more, you actually would continue to be a giver. God's asking as an expression of our gratitude for who he is in our life for us to be givers. And the last thing we see 
is that Mary worshipped as an expression of gratitude. This is in John 12, 3. It says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Mary, in a beautiful act of worship, lets down her hair, pours the perfume on Jesus' feet, and washes his feet with her hair. I was talking to someone recently, and they asked me, you know, why do people jump up and down in church and dance and shout and sing and clap? And at first I said, I don't know, maybe you ought to ask them. But then I thought about it for a second more, and I said, you know, why do people jump up and down at a sporting event for people who will never do anything for them? We jump up and down and cheer for a team that can't even close the game when it's right inside of their hands for the love of God. Maybe these people that worship and dance and sing, maybe these people appreciate God more than some big guy running around in spandex. I mean, think about this for a second. God gives us fresh mercy and grace, whether we deserve it or not, not based on our performance, every single morning. Every morning when you you rise, even if you messed up yesterday, he greets you every morning with fresh mercy and grace. Though our sin is as scarlet, he's made us white as snow. He set us free. Maybe instead of asking why these people worship in the way that they do, maybe I ought to ask this guy why he doesn't worship the way they do. So what is worship? It's only really in this modern day that worship was ever even described as a genre of music. Like, you know, you got your hip-hop playlist and your relaxation playlist and your rock playlist and your worship playlist. That's only in today's age that that ever happened. Worship is not a genre of music. Worship doesn't start when Josh opens the service in prayer at 10.30. Worship is us expressing to God how much he's worth to us. You can take the word worship and you can break it in half into worth-ship. In other words, worship is expressing to God how much he is worth to you. How much is God worth to you? You got to be careful judging someone else for their worship. Why do they raise their hands? Why do they dance? Why do they clap? Why do they shout? Maybe they've been carrying something really heavy all week and they came into worship and they lifted their hands and they just said, God, I can't carry this burden anymore. Would you take it from me? And they found a God who was willing to greet them and pick up the burden so they don't have to carry it through life. Maybe God set them free and they want to dance in the freedom that Jesus purchased for them. Maybe they realize how big God is and all of a sudden the problems that seemed so big and so challenging don't seem that big anymore and they're excited. Maybe the truth is some of our praise has become so small because we have forgotten that Jesus is our daily bread. Meaning every bit of nourishment and strength you need to get through the day can be found in Jesus. Maybe you've forgotten that Jesus sticks closer than a brother, even when you wander. 
Even when you're far from him, in that place, Jesus still sticks closer than a brother. Maybe you've forgotten that Jesus knows everything about you. Even the sin, the deep, dark sin that you hide and you don't want anyone to know about. Jesus knows all of it, and he still calls you righteous. Pardon me if I praise God and express that praise in my heart. Maybe the problem isn't other people's expression. Maybe the problem is your lack of expression. This woman saved up this perfume for a special occasion. And she looked around the room. And she said, I don't care if everyone else in the room wants to just act like Jesus is normal. I know he's not. And she poured out this perfume and let down her hair and filled the whole house with this fragrance of perfume in this beautiful act of worship. This woman understood the grace of God. She understood the grace of God not in an intellectual way, but in a personal way. I think that people who sit around and have thoughts about other people's large expression of worship that seems a little too much, oftentimes don't understand the grace of God in a personal way. Maybe they've been around church and heard a lot of sermons about the grace of God, but in their heart, they've never experienced it themselves. In this story, Mary and Martha have this incredible expression of gratitude. They express their gratitude by honoring Jesus, by serving him, giving to him, and worshiping him. This whole story is about expressing gratitude to Jesus. But what's behind Mary and Martha's expression of gratitude? What's behind it? What's their motivation in it? What's behind this expression is they've actually been with Jesus and he's changed their life. They've been with him. They've spent time with him day in and day out. They're not the same. They're not who they used to be. And because of that, they're grateful for what he has done in their life. To really understand in this specific time period what was going on in their life, we need to go back one chapter to John 11. I'll give you a quick rundown of it. You don't really need to turn there. In John 11, we have this man, his name is Lazarus. Lazarus is Mary and Martha's brother. And Lazarus is sick. And not like have a cold sick, he's like not maybe going to make it kind of sick. And Mary and Martha send news to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick, and he's going to die. And Jesus says, Lazarus is not sick unto death. This sickness won't end in death. That's like real good news to Mary and Martha. Like their, their brother is not going to die from this sickness. Jesus goes on about his ministry, and Lazarus' sickness gets worse and worse. Jesus goes to another city and ministers. Lazarus gets worse. And eventually, Lazarus dies. Can you imagine what Mary and Martha felt like? First of all, they just lost their brother. He's dead. Second of all, they've given their life to follow Jesus, given everything to follow him. And Jesus specifically said, this sickness won't end in death, and now their brother is dead. So they're going through a faith crisis. They lost their brother. I mean, how many of you have ever felt like God promised you something and it hasn't happened? You feel like God promised this was going to happen and it hasn't happened the way that he said it was going to. That's where 
Mary and Martha are right now. Mary and Martha's friends and family gather around them to mourn with them and to support them and to express care. They take Lazarus. They put him in a tomb. They roll a stone in front of the tomb. A few days later, Jesus shows up. Mary, Mary and Martha are spent. They've gone through the typical process that you go through with a funeral. They're grieving. They're hurting. Martha's outside when Jesus walks up to the house. Martha looks at Jesus and she says, where were you? Like, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Like, I know you have the strength to heal him. You have the power to heal him. Where were you when I needed you? How many of you ever felt like, God, where were you when I needed you? That's where Martha is right now. Mary comes out of the house, and Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Mary's like, roll the stone away? Like, he's been dead for three days. He's going to smell bad. Like, our family is embarrassed enough. We believed he was going to be healed, and he wasn't. I don't really want to roll the stone away and have us be embarrassed more. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead, gets up and walks out of the tomb. So if you wonder this morning why Mary and Martha had such a huge expression of gratitude, it's because this is the kind of stuff that Jesus did in their life. This is the kind of stuff that they watched Jesus do. Their life is not the same. This morning I want to tell you, if you feel like God promised you something and he hasn't come through, just give it a little more time. Just be patient because he will always do what he said he will do. His word can't return void. It can't happen. If God said it, it's going to happen. Just ask Mary and Martha, and they'll tell you all about it. Where are you at this morning in your expression of gratitude to the Lord? You know, if I look around at our worship service this morning, i got to be honest, I think it was a little tame. I think it was a little weak. I think our expression was a little quiet. I think our dancing was a little diminished. I think our jumping was a little too short. We needed a little more airtime in our hops. We serve this God who has literally transformed our life. Maybe you have forgotten some of what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe you've forgotten who you were. Maybe you forgot the potential of where your life was headed for the pit that it was headed to before Jesus rescued you. If we see where, God, where our life was headed and where God has brought us to, we have to respond with gratitude like Mary and Martha. We've been doing this series on gratitude leading up to Thanksgiving. And what Thanksgiving is this week, in case you didn't realize. And what I want to do is I want to challenge you this week to find some way to express your gratitude to Jesus. Find some way to honor Jesus, like Mary made a meal for him and his friends. Find some way to serve Jesus. Find some way to give to Jesus or find some way to worship him. Gratitude is not gratitude if it's not expressed in some way. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, we thank you for what you've done in each one of our lives. Lord, we forget it so easily. We get consumed with so many other things. We have so many other things that we bump up in the priority list and we get consumed with and we forget and we put you on the back burner. And God, we're sorry for that. 
Lord, I ask you to help us to be people that appreciate the people in our life and appreciate you. Help us not to take people for granted and help us not to take you for granted. Lord, in this Thanksgiving season, help us to be people that are grateful and that express that gratitude. Help each one of us to find a place that we can express gratitude for the people in our lives and for you in our life. In your name we pray, amen. Have a blessed Thanksgiving.